With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, uh, all eyes are turning to tomorrow night. The Blues will travel to what will be a very cold and confronting Christchurch to take on the defending champion Crusaders. It will be cold because of the temperature, but uh, also uh, confronting the Blues, uh, the fact that they've mustered uh, won one of the last 17 attempts against the red and black machine. Stats don't lie. It's a bit different from uh, back in the day when the Blues were a dominant force to be reckoned with and the Crusaders had to earn their stripes again against the then champions. Our next guest knows that era very well. Tomorrow's game brings storylines galore with seedings on the ladder at play, interesting matchups across the park, including at second 5-8, where Harry Plummer has been selected ahead of Roger Tuovasashek, who misses the 23 altogether. Lee Stensness joins us uh, this morning. He's a former All Black, of course, 50 games for the Blues, uh, a lot of games for Auckland and Manawatu as well. All Black number 932, and it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Lee, good morning to you. Uh, kia ora, Ian. Thank you for having me on. It is a big match-up tomorrow. Traditionally, uh, Blues-Crusaders clashes back in uh, your day as well were eagerly awaited. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, we used to enjoy playing away probably more than um, at home because of the, the, the love that Canterbury has for Auckland down there. You can really feel the dislike as soon as you step off the plane and uh, the hostility of the crowd was always quite quite exciting and quite um, motivating. Um, I don't think there's real sort of hatred from the players or anything, but you certainly felt it from the public down there, and um, that was always quite a... Quite a, a uh, raise the excitement levels, that's for sure. Lee, to this point, what have you made the, of the Blues class of 2023? Uh, not quite uh, on, um, at their best yet? No, that's right. Um, but with the format of, of, of the playoffs, etc., you probably don't have to be your best until the last three games. So hopefully the they're building um, towards that. They haven't been very consistent, which is which might be is the in the back of the mind going into this game. I think that's probably the the real weakness of the blue side. They've got you know talent sprinkled enough talent to match the Crusaders, but have they been putting it together enough to to put together a performance tomorrow night that will be good enough to win? I'm not sure. So we'll see. Um, but yeah. Yeah, sorry. Bowden Barrett back to ten. Bowden Barrett back to ten against uh, Richie Mwanga. Um, eagerly awaited matchup. Um, Bowden's sort of been. He was back at fifteen the other day. Back to ten. What, how do you look like that? And what do you think about this matchup? Well, deep within my heart, I believe they play Barrett and Zan Sullivan the wrong way round. I think Zan Sullivan should be the number ten, and Bowden Barrett should be at fifteen. But that's the horses bolted for that. I mean they. That's maybe something for the future. Sullivan, I think, will, will, will become a great 10. He's got all the skills. He played great rugby at school at 10. Um, but if we deal with the now, Barrett, he sees himself as a 15, and that you know, a player of that mana carries carries a lot of sway. He wants to play at 10, so that's where he is. Um, has, he probably hasn't been as consistent as he would like. 
so the pressure's on him. Um, I think um, Mackenzie's probably overtaken him in, in the hierarchy of tens, um, with Moanga still at number one. Um, so I suspect tomorrow night, Moanga loves playing against Auckland. He always delivers pretty much when he plays against uh, the Blues. And I probably expect that again tomorrow night. I think that he might probably shade Barrett, unfortunately, from our point of view. Um, but that, that's probably where I see it at the moment. Okay, interestingly, um, also uh, uh, an area where you occupied a, a lot of your rugby career is, is uh, the midfield area where they've got Harry Plummer at 12 and uh, can't find a spot at all for Roger Tuovasa-Shek in the 23, which has raised a few eyebrows. Um, yes, uh, but if you, if you look at Roger's form, it, it, it hasn't been particularly good. I think it was the game before last, he missed a, a couple of tackles which he should have made, and he, he really, it's probably, a, it's, it's the deserved selection in terms of, of form. Um, Roger, he's, he's struggled with his transition. We probably all have to acknowledge that. COVID didn't really do him any favours, so he lost, he lost a lot of time beating in and relearning the game from when he played at school, so... He's, he's probably been behind the eight ball pretty much the whole way and and maybe the the experiment is over, perhaps. Do you um, like uh, Rico at 13? Do you, do you like Rico at 13? I do for the Blues. Um, I just wonder at test level, he, he, he's... I, I would possibly prefer Anton Leonard-Brown in a, in a big test match because of his... Is, is real now, especially on defence and the way that he can put a, put wingers away. Probably shades Rico in, in those two areas, but Rico is a wonderful athlete um, and he's more consistent in terms of being able to be on the field all the time. We see with Anton Leonard-Brown, he's he seems to be injured pretty much most of the time and it's a struggle for him to get a real a real body of work under you know consistent form. And so Rico... Rico delivers pretty much consistently, especially at super rugby level, and he's always on the field, and he has wonderful assets in terms of his physicality and his, his pace. Um, it's just some of those subtleties he's still um, getting coming to terms with, but it took players like Umanga, you know, quite a long time to, to really learn the centre position with all its nuance and subtlety. Um, so, yes, Rico, yes, definitely for the Blues, uh, at, for the All Blacks, well, he's the best option if if, if Anton Leonard Brown can't string enough games together to, to to prove that he could, you know, last the World Cup. Right. Okay. Let's look at halfback as well because Finlay Christie is in an interesting situation. Um, confirmed to the Blues clearly, not so confirmed in the All Blacks. Which all of a sudden there's a lot of drums beating for this Cam Royguard out of the Hurricanes. Yes, um, oh, we went. We, look, we went to Aaron Smith and the number one halfback, and he is extremely similar to Weber and both and um, Finlay Christie as well. And so I think we all look at um, what Dupont does for France, how he runs and snipes around the edges, and we think, oh, that would be nice for us to have as well. And Roigard, he offers that. He's physical. Uh, his pass is is pretty good. I mean, it's uh, it's not exceptional, but. Um, he can run around the fringes, and if the All Blacks want to play a game where we rely on power, which which was when we re, when we played France two years ago, we really 
when we dominated them for a period of the second half in particular, we were playing direct and going around the edges and using power runners. And that's where Roygaard could possibly offer that more than perhaps the, the other two. Or yeah, I mean, Fakatava could offer that as well, but I think his form has, has slipped a bit. So perhaps Roygaard offers, offers that. If he's going to be the three halfbacks going, then Aaron Smith and another who's similar to Aaron Smith, and then Roygaard offers you that point of difference where who can have that power and sniping around the, the edges of rucks and walls. Uh, interesting now, uh, just looking forward to um, to next year, we, we look at the fact that uh, the Leicester Whanganuku is heading to Toulon, and apparently the Blues are really going hard after Jack Goodhue, and it would be nice to see Jack Goodhue with a run of, uh, of rugby in a position where he's not injured and just expressing his talent because uh, he's still got to certainly got to be a contender. Oh yes, yes. Um, it would. I mean, if he came to the Blues next year, I would see him as a twelve, and I perhaps and this may go fly against some convention is that I I see him as a twelve. I, I always have rather than a thirteen. He does have the subtleties and the nuance that you need it. 13, but especially after these injuries that he's had, he's really lost a bit of pace. And not that he was extreme pace even when he before his injuries, but but now he's he, he. And I would worry about that at test level defending in those outside channels where you need to have a lot of a lot of gas, as Ernie Curtin would say, to be able to cover the speedsters. And so I, I would like to see him become a 12 going forward because he's a good decision maker. He's quite strong. Um, and a very good defender, um, but just perhaps lacking that top pace that I think a centre should have. And he, so that's, yeah, I would see him as a 12 going forward. Okay, so Lee, how much of um, an influence or how, how important is a kicking game for a good 12 these days? Um, I don't think it's essential. I think that it's more of a power position now. I think that you need to be able to get over the advantage line and I think you need to be able to defend really, really aggressively and if you can kick, that's a bonus. Um, I think that there's plenty of ways that the 10 and the 15 can sort of take the, the kicking. You can go behind the midfield back to your 15 who can, who can then kick the corners. So it's a nice to have, I think, um, kicking at 12, but especially at... at or if we, when we play France or South Africa, or yeah, we, we need a power player at twelve. Um, I mean, Nonu he was picked first for his power, and then he developed the kicking and and some of the subtleties. I don't think it's. I think that's the priority first at twelve. You need a a real a real big bopper, and that's what Geordie uh, Barrett can offer. He's a big boy, and um, and that's I think good good you could do that that in at twelve as well, and even someone like Amor, um, Levi Amor. Um, He's a good, strong player, and, and you know, he could be a, an option there to maybe fill in at 12 because he can play 13 as well. I think it's easier to go from 13 into 12 rather than 12 out to 13, but that's that's another discussion. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the kicking's a nice to have at 12, but you want a big, powerful, imposing player in there. So no Sam Whitelock and no Blackadder yet uh, for the Crusaders. Are you confident then that the Blues can get at least parity up front against a traditionally a very hard pack to knock down uh, in Christchurch to let that back line have a crack? 
With the absence of Whitelock, who's an all-time great player, I think that that evens it up yeah, considerably. I think that when I read the sides yesterday, seeing Whitelock gave the Blues, well, on me, from the Blues' point of view, some hope uh, because he is such a great player and he loves the big games. Um, so, yes, there's a chance they can get parity, but then again, the Crusaders' back line is, is almost as, as stacked as the Blues. I mean, there's X-Factor... In both sides, um, especially at the back, if the Blues can get enough ball to Talia and Clark, which is, and get them involved, then then the you know the Blues could have a chance, and that, that's a challenge for Rico and a challenge for Bowden and the and the, and the call of the shot callers to be able to get those two involved because Talia is just exceptional at the way he can beat the first tackle and the second tackle and sometimes the third tackle and of course Clark when he's involved he can really have an impact on the game but if they're not getting enough ball I mean what's the point of having um, Caleb Clark on the field if you're not going to give him the ball because he's he just yeah he needs to be used a lot and so it's about the Blues creating ways to use those two players enough and, and that will give them and Rico himself because he's such an X-Factor player as well. If they can get those three guys more involved and going hard and retaining the ball, then, they, then they've then they got a chance. But then on the same side, of the other side, of, I mean, the Crusaders have got Mwanga, Jordan, and Fainga Nuku, and, you know, there's X-Factor there as well. So they really are quite evenly balanced sides in terms of actual just individual talent, but I, I think the Crusaders have probably, you know, they got a little bit more belief in themselves. They're playing at home, and, and they've this is what they they live for. You know what I mean? They they want to they want to play these big games, and they'll and I think they'll get into their playoff mode. It's been a long time building for them. They haven't really been as consistent as they would like as well, but they are sort of trending up now. And this is probably the game that they've been looking at. Going right, this is where we really really start to to play at that championship level again. Lee, what has been uh, so special? Uh, because the people are raving about the the backline of the Chiefs and, and uh, particularly uh, the way they have been able to bring their uh, very potent back three into pretty much every game this year. They're unbeaten. What has been so special for the Chiefs from the games you've seen them play? Well, I think it's the... I don't know if this is the correct word. It's that maturation, the maturity that has come with um, Stevenson. He's really... He's gone from being like uh, a Campisi type player who could do the exceptional but make, you know, make the odd mistake, which was to be sort of embarrassing. But not anymore. He doesn't make those mistakes. He he's just he's he's got all the flair and the skills without the error rate anymore. And I think that that's a, a really big thing. McKenzie in there at ten. I think just adding that that zip and the spark um, and and. Yeah, and and Narewa as well. Um, he's done some really exceptional things. So it, the step up from Stevenson, McKenzie coming back and and really firing, and and Narewa coming well, just playing exceptionally as well. So there's some individuals there who are really, really, really delivering um, on the on the back of of a solid forward pack as well. A really solid forward pack. They've been getting enough ball, but. Some of the things that they have done are right, just individual brilliance and brilliance from those sort of players in particular. Combining, like you see a lot of Stevenson, I mean, McKenzie to Stevenson and vice versa, and, you know, those are two pretty dangerous players.
Lee Stensness, uh, fantastic to catch up with you. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, wonderful to hear your thoughts on the midfield, actually. And uh, Zan Sullivan at ten, I like the I like the the thought of that going forward as well. Uh, really cool. Um, I've loved your input this morning. Have a terrific day. Enjoy tomorrow night. I think it's be a cracker. Yeah, I do too. And uh, we miss you on the TV, Smithy. Um, but uh, that's the way it goes. <laughs>